listening to Between You and Me. I'm Paul Rose and I'm here once again with my dear wife, Sanya. Hello, everyone. Again. <laughs> <Reset> it. <laughs> yeah. uh, as you may be able to hear, we're slightly better than we were last week. Yes, we are. No, we're, we're, in, si- we're improving. We're significantly better, I yeah. would say. This is a Meridian podcast, in case you were unaware. <laughs> this week, we are doing the second part of our latest post bag. I hesitate to call it a This Strange Engine post bag because we have letters on a variety of topics. Next week, um, we're going to jump into, well, sort of the gap between This Strange Engine and Radiation. Um where there are sort of certain significant changes in the Meridian Sphere, but we'll probably start talking radiation as well next week, I think. Will we? I think we will. Oh. We've been studying it, haven't we? If you <laughs> think that there's not that much to say about crowdfunding. Well, look, I'm, well, not at this stage. There is to a degree, right. but the real crowdfunding story begins with anarachnophobia. Okay. Right, first letter from a friend of ours. Yes. From Big John Woodward. Wood, no, I'll start that again. It's it actually f- says, I don't know if I... Yeah, Woodard. I always, I always thought his surname was Woodward. John, but it's we're Woodard. sorry. It's, it's, I know that's And I probably pronounced, Wood, Wood, pronounced it wrong as well. Big John Woodard. 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 We, we're, we're massacring your name. Sorry. Sorry, John. Um, he likes to be called BJ. Yes, he does. And we'll just leave that there. He, BJ says, Hi guys, BJ here. Remember the enormous bloke Nick's mate from the last Meridian weekend? Yes, I we mean, do. I mean, we shared you a know, chalet yeah, with you. Of course, we remember, <laughs> yeah. of course we remember you. So he says, Must say, I absolutely love your podcast. God bless you. You made it just for me, didn't you? Far better than that Hogarth bloke's offering. Brackets, honest opinion. <laughs> Let's not get with into a, with a which smiley is face. <laughs> with a big smiley face. Big smile. Right down to business. This strange engine. I decided to listen through my big boy hi-fi headphones, loud with the lights off. Nothing really moved me much. It all sounded a bit safe. And let's see if we can win back the lost sheep. That was until the title track, full-on goosebumps, and a fat, hairy, sixty-year-old, hairy-ass bloke, almost reduced to tears. My God, when they hit you right, they do it with a plomb. There is no other band on the planet that touches me like Marillion. Keep up the good work. Hope to see you at Hammersmith with Nick and Mark at our love. BJ, we will no doubt see you at Hammersmith we... if it goes ahead. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yes, look forward to seeing you, BJ. While we're on the topic of Hammersmith and the like, mm. is it going to happen? I don't know, because it's... I mean... I just, I really don't know. You said one of the bands, was it IQ? Yeah, IQ, because we, we've got a live IQ. event through our YouTube channel, Digitizer, that's, that's sort of meant to be going ahead on 4th of September, which was the same date as the prog band IQ's 40th anniversary show, mm. which they've postponed, which has made us think we may have to postpone our show as well. Um, also, with obviously lockdown being pushed back and yeah, new variants and the like. Um, yeah, what I suppose has slightly taken me aback with the band and is Lucy, you know, in the most recent Friday questions, or was it the one before, her attitude is very much, 
ah, just have your jabs. It's all going to be fine by November or whenever the gigs are. I mean, are. yeah, maybe by November m- more people will be jabbed than by September. I mean, not maybe, they definitely they will. They definitely will, yeah. yeah. Yes, but my point, I suppose, is I've been... It's, it's like when on Corona Diaries, Ant Short said to H that I'd had COVID. Yeah. And H was like, oh, I thought it was all over. Yeah, I thought it was more or less all over. It's like, yeah, well, it ain't. (laughs) And that's, you know... We wish it was was all over. Yeah, of course we do. But I don't know. I just think anyone in the live events arena at the moment, I I get why people are kind of want it to be over and are kind of willing it. Absolutely, You know, and it's obviously been devastating for the live music industry. But I think it's also perhaps unrealistic to bury your head in the sand and go, it's all going to be fine because we, we've we seen it. it the just, only thing, it changes yeah, it's, very... It's what, what we can't predict is whether the, another variant is going to hit our shores. Yeah. And I saw there, there was talk of a Russian variant yesterday. Oh, no, I'm sick of all the variants. Just, like, go away with the variants. Uh, oh. Anyway, um, we've got our tickets for the Hamio shows. Um, yeah, we'll uh, just keep our fingers crossed. And we keep our fingers crossed because we, obviously we want it to happen, even though we've now had COVID and now we're utterly terrified of mixing with other human beings. <laughs> yeah, we don't <laughs> That's want the it truth. Again. It is the truth. It's having had it and seeing how bloody horrible Yeah, it also because we had, it, we had a dose of the vaccine. So now I'm just like, I don't trust that the yeah, vaccine's going to protect dose. me. It's only 33% yeah, We had the dose. worst vaccine, though, the weakest one. Well, that's everyone in the UK's mostly had AstraZeneca. So. Yeah, so it's like, what? How, how much does it protect you after two doses? 80%? 86%. 80%. Like and so no, I'm just seeing they're going, oh, am I going to be in that 20%? Probably. Hope not, Cheery. though. Yeah, we hope bloody not. hope not. We've had it and it's yeah, foul. It, yeah, it can go away now. Yeah, right, next letter. <laughs> yes, my turn. All right, our next letter is from Ed. Mr. Ed, the talking horse. Oh, that was such a good show. <laughs> of, course, of course, we didn't need to give B. We didn't need to give BJ a nickname. He gave himself one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, BJ. You did our work yeah. for us. Yeah. Ed says, hello, you two. I thought I'd give you the benefit of my opinions. Bright and early as your rant this week struck a chord. We have this conversation every rant. time. Rant. Yep. All right. Rant. That's just how it's said. By you and you alone. Really? Yes. I can't be the only person that says rant. rant. (laughs) The Queen says rant. (laughs) The rest of us all say rant. Okay, rant then. Um, Sorry. Sorry, Ed. Mr. Ed, talking horse. Okay, so Ed continues after our rude interruption. Um, overall, I agree. I don't know what the rant, rant was. Well, was it about? I I had quite strong opinions about this strange engine. This strange engine. Overall, I agree with your overall impression of the record. There's a lot on there that feels like a band that isn't quite sure what it's for anymore. I do like Estonia. At one point, it would have been my favourite track. But I tend to find the rhythm a bit plodding now. Yes. The positive light version is actually better, in my opinion. Yes, as I it is. On Twitter. Yes. Oh, I play. Sure I think I played you it. It's. Oh it's, yeah, you may have. It's from the remix album that they did. I think it's better. 
it was a good version, whatever it was that I listened to. So it must have been that one, if that's the only one. Um, of course, the title track is one is the one to beat. A deserved live favourite and fitting climax to a set with some amazing vocal pyrotechnics from H. If you ever do interview him, ask him how the hell he's still got the voice to do that at 60-something. That's so true. Yeah. That I is so true. I don't get he's in his it. Si- is he in his 60s? Yeah, he's like 64 or something. Is he? Oh, he looks good for his age. Mm. Um, oh, that sounds horrible. Oh, can you not put that in? <laughs> don't, stop doing that in this podcast. I know, no. Stop that, doing that the whole, it, can you not put this no, in? No, because it's like, that makes it sound like he's really old, but he's not. He's 64, he's quite old. I don't want to say for his age. It's too late, that's staying oh. in. Well, no, I, look, if I was 64, so if I'm, I'm my age now, I'm 50 next month or whatever I, it is. Yeah. If someone said to me I look good for my age, I'll be very happy. Okay. But no one ever does. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> No one ever says I look good for my age. <laughs> they ever. need to. They need to, yeah. That make me feel happy. <laughs> ever, ever. No one ever does. The, the most they say is that they're jealous because I've got all my hair. That's the equivalent. Is it? Yeah. And the other thing... Ah, it no, go on, go on. No, the other thing they, they, they tend to say is I'm punching above my weight with you, dear. Oh, oh that's so, nice. Uh, that's nice for I you. Mean, Not nice for me. It is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice for you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, no, I'm leaving it in because if H hears that, I'm sure it would make his day. Okay. Yeah, but I don't think 64 is old. That's why I didn't want you to put it in because I said for it his age. And it's it is old. old. I'm nearly 50 and I'm old. No, so he's you're aging. not. 50 is not old. 80 is old. Like these days, <laughs> 70 and above is kind of old these days. Your 60s, you're still young. Wow. Even though you can you, retire You've in got 60-year-olds that are, like, surfing and stuff. Maybe 70-year-olds. Well, I don't know, old. but not as many 70-year-olds. doesn't mean they're not old just because they go surfing. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, that's your quite criteria, is um, it? The minute you stop surfing, you're old. <laughs> Bloody Australians. Oh, man, I need, I need to go surfing. Right. Um, go on. Okay, of course. No, I've read that bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> all that said... It's far from their greatest epic compared with Ocean Cloud or Neverland or Gaza. Those are fully integrated songs that tell a story that just happens to be really long. I don't think there's another band that can do that so effectively. TSE is disjointed, obviously stitched together out of bits and bobs and held together by H's lyrics. It's like nothing so much as the H era Grendel, which is probably why we all love it so much. But when they get an epic right, it's truly awesome. Sadly, there's not much... <clears throat> Sorry, hang on. <clears throat> oh, COVID. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Sadly, there's not much awe in evidence on, the album, on this album. With hindsight, I agree that it's probably a necessary step on the path to renewal, and there's bits we can enjoy for that reason, and on radiation.com and Anorak 2, best Ed. Sadly, there's not much awe in evidence on this album. What does that mean? Well, that kind of like where you go, wow. Oh, right. Awe. There's not much on the album that inspires awe. Yeah. Apart from the last song. I'm okay. I mean, I do lo- love Man of a Thousand As Faces, like the, the end bit. 
especially. I, I'm, this um, is heresy, but I prefer Man of a Thousand Faces to the title track. Really? Yeah. Didn't know that. I, I mean, I you love kept that a secret. I love the title track. The I love the title. Yeah, track. I think it's a I might have said it. Um, I love the title track. <laughs> Again, this is going to be utter heresy. And it sounds like yeah, I, I on, absolutely cause... crap on this album every time I open my mouth about it. Um, I know the lyrics on This Strange Engine, the song, mm. mean a lot to H and they're very personal. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're his most interesting set of lyrics. Mm. I mean, I hate to say it, but I agree with you. Yeah, I don't. I love the music of This Strange Engine. I love what it means. Yeah. That it's something personal. To I him. love what it is. Yeah. I don't connect with it emotionally. I think because it's so about his life. Yeah, it's, it's not so universal. specific. It's like I got stung by some wasps. Um, I know he says cloud of bees. Apparently, it really was wasps. Ooh, um, they're nasty. Yeah. It, it's so specific to him. Yeah. That as brilliant as it is, I have struggled. I, I don't connect with it as much as I do certain other songs that feel somehow more universal i agree with you yeah. and i i love i do like it i love it <laughs> look at your mind <laughs> okay i like it it's i love the music in the second half of it but i don't have an emotional connection yeah, to it strange, it doesn't it? strike anything within me it's a beautiful it's but beautiful it's a music gorgeous sounding yeah. beautiful music gorgeous vocal performance Whereas Man of a Thousand Faces is catchy. Mm. You can sing along to it. Yeah. I don't I don't really oh, I don't feel know. I can sing God, along I to this. God, I see I do engine. sing along to this strange engine. Do you? Oh yeah. The times I've sung that Cloud of Bees line and, Oh really? Yeah. Well, maybe I haven't heard it enough. I, but yeah, I like it. It's a great song. It's definitely one of the best on the album. One of the best of the eight tracks on the album, many of which are Yeah, well tracks. I think that Man of a a Thousand Faces and Estonia yeah. are the three top tier yes, of the I album. I think they're the, what are considered to be the top tier ones. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. There you go. All right, next letter is from Nigel. I'm only making plans for him. Sorry, <laughs> You're only making plans. Yeah, I'm only making plans for Nigel. I don't get that. No, you don't get that reference. It's fine. Some people will. Maybe Nigel will. Maybe he won't. Um, ah, this is Nigel from Adelaide. Oh, fellow countryman, Sanya. Yeah, completely different bit of the country, though. Yeah, I'd love um, to go down there. Uh, what to Australia? No, to Adelaide. <laughs> down, yeah, down from, well, if I was in Sydney, I'd be going down to Adelaide. Ah. But I've only heard good things about it, so I would okay. love to visit Adelaide, Nigel. So he says, hi, Paul Asania, this is Nigel here. Still enjoy your podcast from Adelaide, although I don't always agree with your opinions on various songs. That's fair enough. Fair enough. My opinions are frequently wrong. <laughs> I was interested to hear your thoughts on the background to this strange engine, as my experience wasn't too dissimilar. I love Season's End, most of Holidays in Eden, and thought Brave was fantastic. <clears throat> I still think Afraid of Sunlight is patchy, though. The lower points for me are beautiful, Afraid of Sunrise and Out of This World. Regardless, I Ooh, can... out of this world. What? The La points. How about that? Wow. Uh, yeah, though he also ranks Afraid of Sunrise in there as one of the low I points. I know. A lot of people don't like Afraid of Sunrise. No, Rise. maybe it's just too inconsequential or feels that way. It feels a bit like an interlude song. 
But I, I just love it. Me I too. can't help it. I do love it. I love it. the atmosphere of it. Mm. That dusty. It's so evocative, visually. Dusty desert evocative. road. Yeah. Feeling. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, I consider myself a big fan. I was pretty excited to hear TSE when it came out. Unfortunately, the excitement didn't last. At the time, I didn't love any of the tracks, finding most of them a bit meh. But after listening a few times, I found a couple of the tracks so poor that I pretty Ooh. much gave up on the band for several years. Wow. Memory wow. of Water, Hope for the Future. There was plenty of other better music around at the time to listen to. You see, this is uh, this is a <coughs> sort of point that That's what, I, yeah. I mentioned that I was getting into other music. Because mm, there was a lot of good music. There was a lot of good music at that in that era. And yeah, it and that made Marillion sound dated because they weren't sort of pushing forwards. Mm. You know, even at This Strange Engine, which is, as we've established, great song. It's very much a throwback to their earlier sound rather than taking that earlier sound and pushing it forwards. Mm. Um, and the rest of the album really does just sound stuck in a, another era. Mm. Anyway. But then saying that, how many of those other bands from that era well, exactly. you, are you still listening yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and again, all of my... 90% oh, of my This Strange Engine opinions, which as we've established are frequently wrong... Um, I'm I'm talking about them mostly from my perspective from back then. Mm. You know, now I just see TSC as part of Marillion's sort of, you know, catalogue and I don't kind of every time I listen to it put it in the context of nineteen ninety seven or whatever. Mm. But um but back then, yeah, it just didn't it, it just didn't grab me because of partly because I was just listening to other music that I thought was better. That's the truth. So, Nigel continues. I still can't get through those two tunes, that is Memory of Water and Hope for the Future, but would now admit that at least the staining in the title track are great. To this day, I've never heard Radiation. Wow. What? But got back into the band from Marbles, which I think is their best album with any lineup. Looking forward to hearing your take on The Missing Years. Well, Radiation coming up very soon, Nigel. Yes. Yes. Um, Will you listen to it with us? Yeah, listen to it with us because I'll. Yeah, and then. Tell us what you think. Because if you want I mean, to. we were sort of the other night we did a little experiment, didn't we? Which we'll talk about a bit more. Where we listened to a load of music from the year that oh, radiation, yeah, came, that radiation out, from came out, 1998. We were just trying, and to even we even listened to some prog albums that were big in 1998. Yeah. So we went, we stuck to the genre as well as branching out from it. Well, we did do that. Yeah. We realised we should have perhaps at some point covered Arena's first album, Songs from the Lion's Cage. Yes. Is that the one with Mick Pointer? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes. The uh, Mick Pointer's band, their first album had a, a Fisher-like singer. Yeah. To say very Fisher-like. Very Fisher-like. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I quite like that first album. It's got a guest appearance from Steve Rothery on it. All right, do you want to read the next one from our good friend, Matthias? Matthias, hello. Oh, Matthias from Sweden. Mm, Matthias. Why did I do it in that voice? Some weird, offensive Scottish accent. Yeah, he's not Scottish. No. Was that meant to be Scottish? I don't know what it? it was. Hello, Matthias from Sweden. That does not sound Scottish or that doesn't sound like anything. Okay, good. It wasn't Scottish then. It was just weird. no. It was. Yeah. Well, it just came out. I was just trying to do a voice, and it sounded in my head a little bit Scottish by accident. Yeah, it didn't out loud. Okay, good. <laughs> um, 
Matthias says, hello there. I just finished listening to the last episode. Very interesting. I usually try to write down my thoughts before listening to you, but not this time. Anyway, first of all, I must say that my feelings about this album and the two that follows are very similar to Paul's. I also, I'm quite surprised that so many people, I always thought, and going into listening to this Strange Engine, mm. I always thought that it was a, a really popular one among, among fans. Me. And yet, yeah. at least the people who've written it into us... It doesn't seem that way. Maybe it's people who are relieved they're finally able to admit. Yeah, publicly. maybe. Someone, someone's finally gone, it's not as good as everyone says and everyone else is going, yes, I've been saying that for years. Emperor's New Clothes Star. Yeah, possibly. I Again, I, I've said this, I think it's an album that is elevated by three tracks. Yeah. And the rest of it isn't great. Right. You know, I know you like 80 days and hope for I do, future. yeah. And I don't Sorry, hate everyone. them. I do. I, I really enjoy them. I don't hate them. But I don't I'm... love Memory of Water. I don't love One Five and Day. They're okay. I don't hate them. They're not steamers. No. But um, No, there's no, but, for me, there's no steamers yeah. on there. Not even Hope for the Future's yeah. a steamer. That's right. I don't think there's a steamer at all on there. No. Anyway, sorry, Matthias, I interrupted you. Um, Matthias continues. I also almost lost the band in the late 90s. Having seen them on the season's end, Holidays in Eden and Brave Tours, I totally missed that they visited Sweden on the radiation tour. I lived in Gothenburg at the time and they played a small theatre of about 300 metres from where I lived. How could I miss it? I still don't know. So back to this strange engine. I still feel that it's the best of the three they released on Castle. There are some good songs on all of them, but I just find the good songs on this strange engine to be better than the other two. I will try and keep this short. The (laughs) album has one fantastic song, two great songs, four okay songs, and one one that I could live without. The fantastic song is obviously the title track, Marillion doing what they do best. It has some magic moments that I never get tired of. If I have to pick my favourite, I choose the section where the saxophone solo ends and Rothery takes over. It's Mm. amazing. I would agree with that as the best moment. Um, And the two great songs are Man of a Thousand Faces. I always loved it. It's a track with potential to be a hit. But as always with Marillion, it didn't happen. And Estonia, an emotional song. I think Marillion fans from Sweden maybe have a deeper connection to this song than others. Because 852 people died and 501 were from Sweden. Jeez. Whoa. I wow. Didn't know, I didn't know that there were that many from Sweden that died wow. in Estonia. That is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's still, after 27 years, not cleared why the Estonia sank. And there are a lot of documentaries with different explanations. A saxophone player that I work with now and then lost both his parents. Many years later, his son wrote a piece a piece called In Memoriam to Honour His Grandparents. It was played on the day, 25 years after, at 1.22am, when the first May Day call from the Estonia was heard. Quite an emotional event. Estonia will always be special to me, and I think the music and H lyrics work great. So now on to the OK songs. One Fine Day. The opening reminds me of I Wish It Would Rain Down by Phil Collins. Mm. Mm. 
sort of hear that. Yeah, I can hear the similarities. There's some nice guitar by Rothers, but it never really takes off. It just goes on. Uh, 80 Days is a bit boring. I kind of like the verses, but that's not enough. I totally agree with Paul about the synth solo. Uh, Matias says, I hated it from day one. It sounds like one of those small keyboards you buy in a yes. toy store in the 80s. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, if you press the trumpet or brass, that's the sound you get. Being a professional trumpet player myself doesn't help oh. either. Memory of Water. Again, it's not bad, but nothing that stands out. I much prefer the big beat version. Uh, An Accidental Man. Wish they would have used Afraid of Sunlight version. It sounds more interesting to me. Yep, agreed. And finally, the song I could live without. Hope for the future. George from the Jungle plays the flute. Not for me, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, oh, well, poor Hope for it's, the Future. It's weird, isn't Everyone it? Everyone hates it. Because I, I don't, I've never hated it. Oh, COVID. Sorry. I've, ne- <laughs> I've never hated it. Mm. Um, I don't know. It doesn't sound particularly meridian but I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as people have made out maybe I just like the underdog just like the atmosphere of it uh, maybe. I wouldn't have ever guessed it was an underdog <laughs> really? no without talking to yeah. other people um, and then Mat- Matthias says I think these three albums show that the producer is really important especially for a band like Marillion with the way they write music I think they need someone to force them in the right direction. In my opinion, Dave Megan is the one that has been the most successful, at least in the H era. He is the one that brought me back on board again with anarachnophobia. Hashtag bring Megan back. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about different producers, maybe a topic for the future. Cheers from Matthias. Thank you, Matthias. Thanks, Um, Matthias. Yeah, Dave Megan, in a lot of ways, is my sort of dream guest. I did um, try email. Yeah, you tried to... Oh, I did try email. I did message him, didn't hear back. But isn't um, he might be going on Corona? I think he is. He's just had COVID by all accounts. Oh, like uh, us. Yes, like us. Uh, so yeah, he's going to go on Corona Diaries. So might as well forget that. Oh, you're so <laughs> defeatist. Well, what's the point? Oh, ah, my leg. You might have different questions. I might, but you know, it's sort of the novelty is gone, isn't it? If he's, yeah, been interviewed by Ant and H. I don't know. Similar sort of time. I think everyone asks different... Well, you don't have to do it at the same time. Anyway. Well, do well it like, doesn't... It's all moot anyway, because he never he never got back to me. So... Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dave Megan is... Because I, I do agree that he... Um, for me, the two key producers in Meridian's history are Chris Kimsey and Dave Megan. Chris Kimsey what did, did Chris Kimsey Misplaced produce? Childhood and Clutching at Straws. Oh, right. Um yeah, I really appreciate what... But surely Mike Hunt is their current I was going to say... Was, I mean, yeah. the last few albums have been exceptional, in my opinion. Oh, I think uh, fear, so, fear and... I yeah. think I think for me, with Mike Hunter, it seems to have taken him a little bit longer to understand the band's rhythms. When did Mike Hunter join? Uh, well, the first album that he did with them was Somewhere Else, which is not a popular album. Right. Um then happiness is the road which is a double mm-hmm. um which is generally better regarded than somewhere else 
Um, I mean, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give away our, <laughs> my opinions on them too early. And then sounds that can't be made and fear, which fear right. obviously. <coughs> which are the only considered. two I haven't listened to somewhere else in Happiness is the Rose. Yeah, um, but fear is obviously considered a, you know, another high point for mm. the band. Um, yeah. And that's you know it's, that for me as well is is it's the point at which Mike Hunter you know really oh, got. I love. I mean, okay, this is. Oh, giving, you know what? You know, I love, I love sounds, sounds that can't be made as well. You know, I love sounds that can't be made. I think it's a great collection of songs, mm. um, similar to sort of Afraid of Sunlight in a lot of ways. In that it's yeah, you know, not necessarily a concept. It's not album. concept, but there there are definite connections. You think on that album? I don't through. think so. I feel I think them. They're standard I don't, maybe songs. they're not. Um, maybe they're not like obvious ones, but I do feel like a, a link between certain songs okay. at least. Well, maybe not all the songs. I'll be interested to hear that when we get to it. Cause yeah, I, I don't think there is. Really? <laughs> yeah. I always okay. We'll talk about it when we talk about the album. Yeah, it's a, a while off yet. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, Chris Kimsey or. Dave Megan, I'd like to get, I'd love to get them both on. I should actually try and get in touch with Chris Kimsey. Mm. Anyway, we should, this is all for not on the podcast. It's been, look at us doing our working out on air. Yes. <laughs> all right. The next letter is from Alison Warner. Warner. I, I, I want to hold your, I want to hold your hand. <laughs> <laughs> If, that's that's better than the one if, I was gonna come up. Well, if I wanna wanna be your lover, you got if you if you wanna be my lover, you gotta get with my friends. That's better than my one. What's yours? Warnering, warnering, alien <laughs> approaching. No, yours is good. Uh, okay. <laughs> They're not really nicknames though, are they? They're sentences and phrases. Sorry, Alison. Sorry, Alison. Uh, dear Paul and Sanya. I discovered your lovely podcast. Our podcast is lovely. Ah, at the beginning of the year while I was recovering from a broken shoulder. Ouch. Ooh, ow. Sanya's been there. Uh, yeah, I had a broken collarbone last year. Yeah. The year before. The year before. Uh, right, right at the end. Doesn't really matter. Uh, I wasn't able to do much but listen to stuff and it became one of the bright spots of my day. I was kind of sad when I caught up and it became weekly instead of daily. Uh, I've been a fan of Meridian since I was 10 when Misplaced Childhood came out. Those first four albums exist in a little bubble of perfection for me. Uh, Clutching at Straws is pretty much at the top of my favourites list. After the split, I stayed with both of them for a while, but I gave up on Fish after a couple of albums. I realised then that although I cared about the lyrics, the music was much more important to me. So it's been very interesting hearing you both discuss in great detail what they mean, because I'd never really done that. I love both Seasons End and Holidays in Eden, but I found Brave difficult to get into, and it took the better part of a decade to grow on me. Yes, you and me both, Alison. Afraid of Sunlight only took a year. <laughs> this is brilliant, Meridian, isn't it? It's like, that, that's so true, though. It's like, oh, yeah, that album, that one, that one only took me a year to... Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good. Unless she means it only took a year to come out, but... Um... But I, I also understand taking a year to get to into like that the, album. Yeah. But we put in the work. That's the point. Yeah. That's it's, dedication. Yeah. That is true dedication. So I'm afraid of something. Well, to put in 10 years until you like an album, that's true that's, dedication. That's dedication, yeah. Um, she agrees about Afraid of Sunlight with most people that it's one of their best. My love for the band has always, always existed in a little bubble with no one around me even being aware of them. 
I also didn't have any access online until the late 2000s. So whenever they released a new album, it'd be a wee surprise when I went to the record shop. I was so excited when I bought this strange engine, but I completely agree with you, Paul. It was a crushing disappointment, and even after all this time, I barely listened to it. And there are only three songs I like. Can we guess what they are? Man of a Thousand Faces, Estonia with the title track. is <laughs> safe for they're everyone, the, they're isn't the it? They're the top tier three. Yeah. The next two Castle albums were also disappointments, with only a couple of songs or bits of songs that I liked. And like you, I thought that, they had lost, that I had lost them. Thankfully, this didn't last, and with Anarachnophobia, I felt that they were becoming themselves again, and I could honestly still say they are one of my favourite bands. Uh, and then, you don't need to say this, Alison, but she says, I really apologise about the horrendous waffling email. No, it no. was a good email. Yeah, it was a great email. Uh, thank you so much. You both make my make a bright spot in my week. Oh, that's Aww, lovely. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, that's, that's cheered me up. No end. No end. Uh, yeah, it's it's so weird, isn't it? It's those three songs that everyone picks out. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, they are they are the best of the album. But it's it's interesting how people are so many people are saying they were disappointed by it. Yeah, I know. I'm genuinely shocked. Yeah. I actually thought it was one of everyone's favorite albums. And I always thought, yeah, it was an album that I was just out of step with. That, that everyone sort of liked it, and I kind of thought... But you weren't. No. Well, do three good tracks maketh an album? That's the question. Do three good tracks a great album make? Okay, thanks. Well, that's the thing, though. If there are three good tracks and no, no um, steamers, mm. how can that album be rated lower than... Another album that maybe has a couple of duds. Well, maybe because the good points are so good that that it make it just tips yeah. it into good territory. Yeah, the highs are so high. I mean, let's mm. face it, this strange engine, the song, is basically three songs. In yeah, in that's one. true. You actually. know, it's the length of sort of most bands. That is true. It's three times. What I'm trying to say is, it's three times the length of most band songs. So yes, you could say, technically, there are you know five good tracks on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they should have broken this strange engine down into parts. You know, and parts. then yeah, yeah, and then we could have counted them as yeah. separate songs. Anyway, our next email is from oh Stephen Wicks. From the Mockillion page. Hello. I didn't realise when this email ca- email came through that it was Mockillion himself. Uh, a, a great supporter of the podcast. Um, and, and we're fans of his page as yeah, well. we love Mockillion. It amuses us knowing. It does, yeah. <laughs> it's very disrespectful. And, <laughs> and we love it. That's, that's our jam. <laughs> um but what are we going to call him? Stephen Wicks, Stephen Homebase, Stephen B&Q, uh, Stephen Tip of the Candle. Um, oh, my God. Wixie, Waxy, Waxy. Homebase. <laughs> you go from Waxy to Homebase. <coughs> Stephen Homebase. Okay. Is it my turn to read? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, McKillian says... <laughs> no, what were we going to call him? Home base. Wix, home base says... Oh, like by Wixie the way, to our international, our international listeners... Yeah. Home base Wix, B&Q are home improvement stores. Yes. 
Um, Hi, Paul and Sonia. I wanted to share my thoughts on the lyrics to Estonia. You may not wish to read this out on the podcast, as I know many fans connect with the song and find it comforting. I have seen the song have a cathartic benefit, giving fans at gigs the opportunity for a public expression of grief, which I believe may be very beneficial to the individuals concerned. However, for me, the lyrics are something you may expect a psychic to say before taking money from vulnerable people who are clinging to the hope that their lost loved ones are in some way still in existence. They aren't. I like the line, no one leaves you when you live in their heart and mind. And I completely agree with this. Sometimes when I'm having a tough time, I imagine what my mum and dad may have said if they had been alive. They are with me in my memories and that is a great comfort, but the memories that I have of them is a recollection only, a collection of synapses in my brain. The rest of the chorus implies an afterlife that there is no evidence for and substantial evidence against. It feeds into the religious narrative that we in some way live on without our body, completely misunderstanding how the brain, body and emotions work. Like I said, you may not want to read this out as it may seem needlessly hurtful to some people. I don't mean the religious types who believe in a supernatural deity who judges us when we die and sends us to everlasting torment if we don't pass muster. I mean people struggling to deal with the desperate sadness of grief, feelings of hopelessness and the naturally evolved fear most of us have of dying. There is enough sadness in this world and I understand if you don't wish to add to that by reading this to others. Keep up the good work on the podcast. I can't say how much I enjoy listening to it. I hope to be able to say hi to both of you at a gig later this year. Slange from Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Um, Yes, I hope you get to say hello as well, by the way. Yeah, me too. Me too. I I think this sort of comes back to what I talked about as well. Uh, with regard to Estonia, which is that we all have a very different relationship to grief and we all process it and react to it in different ways. Um, and so I think it is, it's, it's, I'm happy to have, have that read out because that's your experience and that's your view of it and it's personal to you. Um, and I don't think your experience discounts anyone else's experience. And what yeah. I mean by that, if they choose to believe in an afterlife or, uh, you know, however they, whatever they take comfort from, mm. then that's valid for them as well. Yeah. Um, and as I said, as I said, when it, it came to that song, I'm similar to you in that, you know, I've had experience of grief that I didn't see reflected in the lyrics of that song. Mm. They felt naive to me yeah um and naive in a way that i suppose wound me up a bit at the time and still do to this day um but that's because of my experience of it where i've sort of felt that that grief is something that you learn to live with it's a wound that you learn to live with whereas um i don't think any any amount of words for me Mm. provide comfort I was, um, I've been thinking about this hang on just one second 
I've been thinking about this since we did that episode because it also, grief can be different depending on who or what you're grieving. Yes. If it is someone who you feel had a good life Mm. and it was their time, the words of Estonia, I would find very comforting. Mm. Um, If it's something that you haven't, it was a like what's the way of saying it if it was a grieving that is that is unfair or feels like it was not the like it was too early it was too soon or something like that you know that there's still a lot of hurt connected to it the song's not gonna yeah cover it so i think it just because there's so many different types of grief I That's think it. The there's so- there's the song- no one yeah, yeah. size fits all yeah. uh, balm on, on exactly. grief. Exactly. And I think because in... Because if I think of my grandparents, I'm at peace with their parting. Yeah. I still miss them. And knowing that hearing the lyrics they live on in your heart and mind, I find that really encouraging it's interesting isn't it yeah as my grandparents as much as i loved them and i was particularly my mum's parents how close i was to them um that when, when actually saying that when my granddad died that was pretty hard because it, it came the week after my niece died um mm. but my other grandparents my dad's parents my mum's mum because they'd reached a decent age yeah there wasn't a sense of tragedy with them passing it was incredibly sad of course but it didn't feel unjust that's what i was trying to say Whereas yeah. an example of you know in the last couple of years my sister's first husband um who i was very close to growing up and then they broke up uh and um we didn't really have any contact with him. His his sons, he sort of turned his back on. The family were very angry at it. And I was, but I he effectively been my big brother. Um, and I felt, I saw when he died and he died in a way that was, was very sad because he did take his own life. And he, he left a note that implied that he perhaps struggled with his sexuality and stuff over the course of his life. But what I lost then, because I hadn't seen him really for the best part of 20 years, what I lost was that time mm. with him and the it, it, his passing then. Then I started to grieve the stuff I wasn't able to grieve at the time that my sister broke up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the family was so angry at him, I felt I had to be angry too. So it brought up a lot of complex emotions. And I think that's that for me, Estonia is... It's just too simple. Yeah. In it's too simplistic. Like that. You know, whereas that was really complicated feelings. You know, mm. I felt like, Christ, if I'd, I'd reached out to him, maybe I could have helped him in some way, you know, because I, I I felt that loss in the years since, but I never allowed myself to grieve. And then, of course, his sons had a complicated relationship to that because they hadn't had any contact with him for years. And mm. so grief isn't... <laughs> As simple as just saying they don't, they you know they move to the other side and. But but at the same time, that some can people be, that are can finding it useful. Yeah, yeah, and we know that Estonia, as, as Stephen says, is a song that that 
um, does provide catharsis for, for yeah. some people. and gives them the permission to feel those feelings. Yeah, and I think Meridian are actually very good at that. You see it at, I at think they gigs. Are. I think yeah. they're very good at giving people permission to cry or to feel feelings and, you know, you know way more in the age era than the fish era. In the fish era, it felt like, you know, the gigs were sort of more kind of, you know, geared up for wide boys. Apologies to anyone who doesn't like that phrase. Um, but yeah, whereas now they are more uh, a sort of emotional, I don't know, sermon, I don't know, religious, quasi-religious experience sometimes, which is why you don't have to, look, guys, you don't have to write up-tempo songs <laughs> that are good for life things. It's just, yeah, we, all, we, all we want is just to cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we want. We just want to cry. Just give us that permission. So anyway, yeah, uh, Estonia, yeah, it's 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 not for me. Fair enough. I mean, mm. it's understandable. I understand yeah. why it's not for you. Yeah, because I think I think I think your point is really valid. And I think the grief that I've I've had in my life, so much of it has seemed unfair. Yeah, you know, my, I get that. My niece, my nine year old, nine month old niece. Yeah. A week later, followed by my granddad taking his own life because of that. Yeah. You know, in his 70s. and Sort of saying, you know, oh, don't worry, they still live on in your heart and mine doesn't kind yeah. of... It doesn't... That would, it's not going to ease that no. pain. No. Anyway, wow. So it got a bit heavy, didn't it? Yeah. So the next letter is from Kester Roper. Uh, let me frame the following by stating that I love Marillion. They're so special to me, which is why they can frustrate as much as they thrill. Totally agree. I agree with pretty much everything you said about this strange engine so far. It begins a three album malaise where there's nothing awful apart from Cathedral Wall and House. <sighs> Cathedral Wall, agree with House. I mean, we'll get there, but I like House. Sorry. Uh, anyway, but a lethargy seems to set in which up to now is the last thing Marillion could be accused of. I love every album from Misplaced to Afraid of Sunlight. That's not to say every track is great, but there is an energy and purpose throughout. As for TSE, Man of a Thousand Faces, This Strange Engine and Estonia are great. One Fine Day is a bit of a dirge, yeah. 80 Days, likeable but flimsy, yeah. Memory of Water I like but doesn't sustain repeated listens. Accidental Man sounds like a sting B-side, agree. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. Hope for the future is best forgotten. Poor old Hope for the future. Oh, everyone hates Hope for the future. The cover is average, but I like all the little diagrams in the booklet. Oh, yeah, the diagrams were cool. Um, you won't have seen I those, would you? I haven't seen those. Yeah. On a wider point, and one you nudged a little way towards in the last podcast when you talked about them as musicians, Marillion themselves love the fact and frequently mention that they have complete creative freedom. Can I float the idea that in Meridian's case, this is not necessarily a good thing. The musicians in the band are all, by their own admission, noodlers. <laughs> they write albums by noodling for months and months without an independent external force, either record label or producer. I think they sometimes lack a musical focus. Apart from Marbles, I find that every Meridian album from TSE onwards tends to be a bit flabby or unfocused in places. Yes, there is a lot of brilliant, amazing stuff, but is there a consistently world-class knockout album? Not for me. And from Misplaced to Afraid of Sunlight, that is where they set the bar several times. Feel free to disagree and keep up the good work. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think the problem with the Castle albums, that is uh, TSE.com, Radiation, 
I said them out of order. But I think part of the problem was they they had a gun to their heads to get stuff out as quickly as possible because at that point they didn't, you know, their income was declining quite dramatically and they couldn't afford to take a few years between albums. Mm. I do agree that things got a bit flabby. I think part of the problem with anarachnophobia is it, it the songs are too long in general on that album. I would disagree that they haven't done a, a world-class knockout because I think Fear is up there, without a doubt. Fear is definitely up there. I know it's an album of long songs, but um, I think it's it's consistently really, really strong. And I think, uh, I think Sounds That Can't Be Made comes close as well. And Marbles, of course. So, I mean, you know, that... Yeah, that's a double, which is pretty damn good. Um, but, you know, we're going to go through them all and decide. You're just staring at me in a really weird way, not blinking. It's freaking <laughs> me out. <laughs> like a lizard staring at me with... <laughs> I was listening. Yeah, it's weird. I can listen sometimes. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and I, I do know what you mean, but I do think those 90s albums, those later 90s albums, I think... I think it's just the position they were in. I don't think they had time. I, I think there's a balance to be had. I do agree with you that 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 sometimes they do need someone to help focus them. Mm. Um, I think they benefit from having a producer, Meridian, without a doubt, and someone who can. I think they might even benefit from having a producer who could perhaps crack the whip a bit more, because I think five years between albums is is getting silly, personally. If you hear any sort of the sound of chains dragging, it's not. A, it's it, the resident ghost. Yeah, it's not the ghost. It's it's. We unfortunately have a house full of teenagers today. Yes, <sighs> probably not the best day to record. Yeah, but it's the day we have to record. So, True. Um, we have no choice. Um, yeah, apologies for the um, the, the dragging sounds. I don't know what they're doing. Got an act. They're playing with that old anchor again that they had. <laughs> Remember that we should never give them that anchor. Yeah. I love that anchor. (laughs) Teenagers with their anchors. Yeah, parental tip. Don't get your kids an anchor for Christmas. (laughs) Especially not one with a big chain. They'll just sling it over their shoulder and drag it around their bedroom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Next one is from Chai. Now, Chai... (coughs) I think may have written to us before has uh, I've never seen anyone absorb Marillion in such a concentrated way before Chai has has decided I am now a Marillion fan and in the space of a few months has just like absorbed everything they've ever done and become sort of an expert on them it's quite terrifying but also awesome yeah so Sanya you're reading this my turn Chai says hello I'm really loving the cock podcast. The cockcast. Oh, start you nearly, again. You did nearly say cockcast, didn't you? No, it was it was codcast. Codcast. What's the time? Codpast five. <laughs> Fishing time. <laughs> Shut up, Paul. Start again. I'm really loving the podcast. I've finally caught up, so I thought I'd write in and tell you my thoughts on this strange engine before you cover it. I'll mention for anyone listening, should you choose to read this, that I. 
I'm an extremely new listener to Marillion, having only started listening when I started the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Insanity. Which is more, it's longer than a couple of weeks ago because this yeah. is part one of the letter yeah. and it was, We've, I think it was like a month ago. Been, I've it? been observing Chai's uh, journey on um, uh, over on Twitter. Not least is uh, Lust for Fish. For context, my musical taste is largely pop, from McFly to Ivan Mladic, though I did have one fish song, Family Business, on a playlist in my early teens without knowing the connection to Marillion. Man of a Thousand Faces is a banger, the sort of thing I could imagine listening to at age 15 on a car park with my mates drinking cider and getting a bit emotional. I do get a bit bored with it towards the end. I feel like it might be a toilet song for me, however much I like the beginning. Why are people not That's liking the end? That's the second person who said that. I love, love the way the it end. builds. From the... Okay. We, all right. That's like... My ears hurt. <laughs> um, tsk. Tsk. One Fine Day is fantastic lyrically, in my opinion, and I really enjoy the sound of it too. It's going straight on my Marillion favourites well, playlist. That's a first. This is a first. <laughs> this is a first. You're the only person that has said that. Yeah. Good. I'm glad One Fine Day has one fan. I, I told you it had stayed with me. Yeah, you did, actually. Weirdly. 80 Days fascinates me because I can absolutely see and feel the emotion and reality in the words, but I can't relate in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I feel simultaneously emotionally pulled in and emotionally adrift when I listen. I do really, really enjoy it though. Yay! Someone else that likes 80 Days. Uh. Good. Um, Estonia is beautiful and I enjoyed it a lot. Upon first listen, I was very lost as to why it was called Estonia. But after Googling the story, I liked the song even more than I did at first. It's very touching. Memory of Water gave me massively depressing vibes from the lyrics. Yep. And I can't pass exactly why. It's not one of my favourites in the context of the rest of the album. It's bottom tier for me personally. But it's completely inoffensive. Just yes, a link. that's a good, just a linking song. That's actually a good way of putting it. It's inoffensive. Yeah, I just saw it. And as, I think One Five yeah. Day is inoffensive as one well. One Five Day. One Fine Day. <laughs> I think they're both inoffensive. One Five Day. Memory of... Oh, I've read that bit. Yep. Um, An Accidental Man is one of my favourite Marillion songs that I've heard thus far. I assume it's written from a cisgender male perspective of toxic masculinity and how gender roles can lead to emotional detachment and trauma. But with my own experiences, I was able to relate to it from a transgender perspective. The lines, you ask me how I'm feeling, I only wish you knew how hard it is for me to share, share those kinds of things with you, especially hit me in the gut. I've sent an accidental man to multiple transgender friends, all of whom have had a similar reaction to me. Intense emotions. I adore this song. It's not just on my Best of Marillion playlist. It's on my favourite songs of all time playlist. This Strange Engine is just wow. So gorgeous, both lyrically and musically. I don't have much to say purely because it's so incredible. My second favourite song on the album after An Accidental Man and definitely the right, the right choice for the title track. Overall, I like this album a lot. I think it's my third favourite thus far behind Brave and Misplaced Childhood. Hope you're all well. Sorry for the very long letter in your post bag. 
best chai. P.S. So this was written, this P.S. was written a month later. I have a question for Paul specifically. At the height of their success, were Marillion ever pinups? <laughs> I was thinking about how I got a poster of McFly entirely naked. What? Entirely what? naked for my four- 14th birthday what? from my mum and done multiple naked spreads in the gay magazine attitude. A McFly guy? I don't. I know nothing no, about McFly. No, well, no. You know those boy bands often. Oh, it's yeah. often good for business to to, to appear in attitude. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I know nothing well, about. Well, yeah, take McFly, that. Famously, you know. I know about take early that. on were very much marketed yes. towards a gay audience. Um, I was curious as to whether Marillion have ever been common commonly horned after <laughs> in the way other artists sometimes are. Uh, Sorry for emailing again. No, don't apologise. It's okay. But I'd been contemplating the sexualization of celebrities and the nature of pinups for a little while, and I'm curious as to if Marillion fit into that at all. Best chai. I would say on that score, it's a resounding no to 80s Marillion. Even H? No, we're talking. Okay, we're talking fish here. Marillion oh, were never pinups. No? I mean, come on. You've seen the photos, Sanya, of eighties. They're very eighties. They weren't what with the face paint. No, they weren't. They were very seventies. Well, with Rother's leather vest with nothing on underneath. I don't know if he ever wore nothing underneath. Rother's always really? had a t-shirt. I'm pretty on sure I've seen. Him no, with you haven't. You're okay. Oh. You're, it's your fantasy now. <laughs> no, Rother's Just always had a t-shirt underneath. Really. Yes, I don't think oh. Rothers has ever gone okay. just a gay leather vest. Um, no, Marillion were never really pinups. I mean, I the only Marillion posters I ever had were like album covers or tour posters. But I, surely I H never was a pinup. Come on, he was really well, pretty. Well, we we did hear a rumor that Lucy Jordash had a. Well, we mentioned this on the podcast that she used to have a poster of H up in her bedroom. I yeah, mean, you know, so there you as go. As I said, my foster sister came home from school after they'd appeared on top of the pops with H and said that everyone at school fancied him. Yeah. Um, but, well, for a start with H, they were never big enough. Right. Yeah, but I mean, Fish, oh, look. Fish had a ton of groupies, so. Well, yeah, but that's not the same thing as being like a heartthrob pinup in the same way. Yeah, and I not... don't think they would have done a naked photo shoot. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't think Well, they I've have, certainly but... seen some photos of them in the countryside with just like short shorts on. Oh, nothing else? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, I didn't know that existed. But, um, it's not... They weren't a pin-up group because they weren't... They weren't a boy band. They, they didn't... They certainly didn't sell themselves on their sexuality, shall we say. No. They weren't that kind of band, even though Fish's lyrics were often quite sexual. Yeah, but in a... It's... They're more... <laughs> yeah. Journal kind of internal processing aren't yeah they? they weren't they weren't a pin-up band in that way h no. certainly had pin-up looks yeah pin-up potential um but by that point marillion were obviously on the on the decline so i don't think it ever happened i mean you know god any photo of, of h during those first sort of five years with marillion with well, first 10 years after he joined the band the pouting Yes. Oh, he pouts. He'd like a pout. Wow, the pouting. You look at any photo, go look at a photo of, of from any photo shoot from with Marillion with H in those first 10 years. And he is he's doing the full on trout. Oh, wow. You know, 
Well, go on, you've even, you don't go, oh, oh, wow, you've seen it. You no, know, I've, you know. yeah, I know. You, I were didn't realize that, he, you were the one that pointed it out to me. I didn't realise he did it in every single photo. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, <laughs> like that. He's the, he invented Duck Face then. I mean, he was a good looking boy and I think he knew it. Yeah, he must have known it. He must have known it. He was pretty boy. All right, next letter. Um, am I reading this? Yeah, I'm reading this, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, this is from Mark Griffin. Ten points to Gryffindor. <laughs> what? Nothing. Ten points to Gryffindor. Good afternoon. I love that. <laughs> Why? What's wrong? Because well, it's like, it's assuming we're going to read it in the afternoon. We are reading it in the afternoon. That's very true. He's well 100% correct. Well done, Mark. One second, sorry. There we go. No wonder you're a Gryffindor. <coughs> um, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Good afternoon, Mark. I <laughs> uh, hope you're both doing okay and recovering from COVID. We're getting there. Getting um, there. I have to say, I've been really enjoying the podcast and it's fun to hear your views on the band. I was really taken with your views on TSE as they made me go back and reevaluate my own feelings about the album. A bit of history first. I became a fan of the band when I bought Misplaced Childer back in 85 and it totally blew me away. I was still at school and most of my friends were into bands like UB40, but Marillion just seemed to be operating on a different level both musically and lyrically. Marillion became and have remained my favourite band to this day. When Fish left I was gutted, gutted like a fish. Uh, that's why I added that bit. Fish, fish get gutted, don't they? Yes. Yes. Um, but I remember. <laughs> sorry, but I really wanted the new lineup to work, and was so pleased when Seasons End came out and still had the magic. And live Hogarth was a ball of energy, a big ball of pouncing energy. Um, I had no problems with holidays in the. <laughs> What? A big ball of pouting energy. He used to strip off as well. He used to oh, yeah, he did, because there was a video we were watching, watching the other yeah, day and he stripped 94, off. I think, or something like that. And I don't was... know if he still had his shirt on just, like, wide open. Yeah, he, he was always flashing his nips at the audience. I mean, it did look really hot. It did stage, look really hot. I have to admit. But again, I think I think some of that might have alienated some of the audience, given that, you know... Really? We, we were used to... Come on, we were used to fish. Did fish never strip off? Not like that. At most, he might go down to a vest. Oh, right. It was H, it was, you know. Well, he had a shirt on still. He could yeah, but it was it. all on show. It was like, come on, look at the goods. <laughs> pout, pout, pout. Um, so live, Hogarth was a ball of pouting energy. I had no problem with holidays in either. <laughs> he didn't write pouting energy. <laughs> you all right, he was a ball pouting. of energy. I had no problem with Holidays in Eden, but loved Brave, and then with Afraid of Sunlight, I thought the band had produced a phenomenal Sorry, album. Sorry, I can't get over Ball of Pouting Energy. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to recover from okay. that. Uh, by the time TSE came out, I had finished university and was working for HMV. Then it was apparent how low Marillion stock had fallen. I had to ask a record company rep to get me copies of Man of a Thousand Faces in 80 Days. Ouch. As HMV didn't seem to have any copies in stock. Also, I was used to gentle mocking from my mates and work colleagues about the fact that I was a Marillion fan. So when TSC came out, there was no way I, I was going to be anything other than... <laughs> sorry. I was going to be anything less than positive about it. Uh, but I have to agree with Paul, it's not on the same level as AOS or what came before. This is how I did the same thing. You know, I... I tried to convince myself it was good. So it was part or of I, that. Or rather, I tried to convince myself that I loved it. Was part of that, just bouncing off of Mark's letter, 
was part of that for you also because maybe people around you uh-huh. were mocking yeah i got it a lot so you had to justify yeah your love of them yeah yeah i mean it's something we've touched on before but i also think it's something i'd like to do an episode on is that cognitive dissonance you know where you're trying to convince yourself that you know loving something when on another level you don't you know because it's it's more comfortable yeah uh anyway um however i do like man of a thousand faces and the title track is still one of my all-time favorite meridian songs the rest of the album though is no more than average one fine day is very bland and it's meridian on autopilot 80 days is indeed a crowded house pastiche and i like crowded house but it's poor man's crowded house <laughs> Ooh. ouch uh memory of water is not is a nothing track an accidental man is very nearly a good track nice guitar and some interesting lyrics but it never gels or satisfies hope for the future i've never liked who does um me. i don't mind you yeah you and sort of me uh i don't mind the band trying different genres but i'm never convinced that rothers isn't playing it through gritted teeth <laughs> i think he drives it a lot of the time uh, I think you'd be surprised. Really? Yeah, I think he likes to, you know, because with this strange engine, he a lot of the sounds on this album came out of Wishing Tree, you know, and him playing around with acoustic guitar. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, because of the lack of publicity and the failure of the singles to trouble the charts, I did think that the band's time might be up. And for this reason, I made a real effort to see them on tour at Wolverhampton Civic Hall and both nights at Shepherd's Bush. And I have to say that I remember them being great shows. Even Hope for the Future was good fun live. My uneasiness about the band's future remained for the next few albums, but fortunately things finally improved. Keep up the good work, and I hope you're both feeling better. Cheers, Mark Griffin. Ten points to Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah, Marky boy! (laughs) Yeah, Marky boy! So I'm wondering... If, because one of the things that stood out to me listening to... Yeah, I know, I didn't even acknowledge you. didn't even acknowledge your, me. Your wild shouting. <laughs> <laughs> your insane shouting. One of the things I'm wondering is, because one thing that stood out to me while listening to This Strange Engine was how good the songs would probably be live. Right. So, um, seeing Mark say that when he saw them live on that tour, he really enjoyed the nights. And I'm wondering if it's more of a live album. Like, if the songs on the album are more ones to experience live, well, rather look, than, apart from Memory of Water. And I would say Day, that's the case it. with most Pavilion songs, anyway. Mm. You know, look I at I don't how... know, because I don't know if Brave... I think Brave works better on headphones at home. Actually, that's not a bad... Sh- yeah, that's not a bad um, shout. But then... I do really like on I lo- I love what they do with living with a big lie. Um, I really love the title track live. Yeah, I I can that, see that for, being for an hour really for a song life. that you would have said that works better on headphones. Actually, live. Yeah, it's I bet really, that's re- yeah. It's really haunting. Mm, that's um, true. So I don't know. Um, I think generally, but I can see this strange engine being better live. Yes. Listen to in oh, a car or something. Oh Christ! The title track "Live" is is transcendental. Yeah, you know, it it's is. amazing. Well, you wouldn't know. You go to the toilet. I come back. I'm, only <laughs> I'm very quick. Having your wee. Very quickly, and I can hear it all perfectly. This strange piss engine. <laughs> oh dear. 
Anyway, last letter is from... Is it last one? I've got loads of papers. Oh, okay. The, yeah, last one from Richard Beanham. Are the beans? My turn to read. Are the beans? <clears throat> so Richard says, Hi there. I've stumbled across your podcast within the last few days and what a joy it's been. As I type this, the first part of Holidays in Eden episode has just started. A contentious album for sure. It's been interesting to hear your thoughts around the Clutching at Straws Fish Split season's end in particular, as I'm the same age as Paul and I have very vivid memories of that time. Some I'd forgotten about until listening to the episodes and all came flooding back. It's been a very evocative couple of days. I've only recently been rediscovering Marillion after my fandom paused in 1995. Wow. I didn't go off them. I just went to university and my whole world expanded. It's interesting how many people, though, that mid-90s era... Yeah. People are saying that they... They drifted away. They drifted away. away, which I came close to. Mm. Yeah. Um, but he said he didn't go off them. He just went to university. And my whole world expanded and they sort of got left behind. Although my love for them never faded. Brave remains one of my all-time favourite albums... So over the last few months, I've been buying each of their post Afraid of Sunlight albums in order of release, letting each one bed in before getting the next one. I'm finally up to speed now and so glad that I resumed my fandom. Marbles has to be my absolute favourite since I started listening again. And it seems I'm not alone in that assessment. I am so glad that I'm so glad that I've listened to Marbles because so many people have said how much they love it mm -hmm. and if i hadn't listened to it yet it would have put so much pressure on it and then i don't know if i would have enjoyed it as much as mm. oh, spoiler alert i know i did yeah yeah anyway thank you for pulling the dusty cover off a lot of memories it's been a joy and i look forward to more coming up as i continue my journey through your episodes thank you so much to your you both and, oh, Richard, we also want to say we read your story that you attached and it was great, especially the ending. Very funny. I wasn't expecting the ending. Very good. Um, so I have been thinking about is is why... That, or that, well, well, look, we know the mid-90s was a time when Meridian fans started to drift away. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, it's possible that it's because of a run of albums that weren't as universally loved. But I have wondered if there is something about the age of Meridian fans that mm. that we got to the mid nineties and yeah, as as Richard says, our horizons broadened because of the age we were. Mm. We started doing other things, we started to listening to other music. Mm -hmm. And so we weren't in that sort of slightly myopic phase of life where mm. we could just focus in on one band and go, We love them. And, and there was a lot of great music out. And there the was time. a hell of a lot of great music out in the mid nineties. It was a great time for music, particularly British music. Mm. Um so I just wonder if all those things as much as anything is is why Marillion struggled in that era. That's a valid point. Uh well our last letter is also from Richard Beanham. The Beans. You're just ignoring me every time I do that, aren't you? What would you like me to say? Ha ha ha. So Richard says, hello, me again. I imagine you're covering this strange engine imminently. We've already done it. Um, so I thought I'd share some thoughts on it. I'll try and keep it fairly short. Page and a half. 
Um, <laughs> some context. My Marillion fan and port in 95. Didn't he say that in his other letter? Yeah. Uh, didn't go off them or anything like that. Um, I think he's just recapping what he said in the other one. Uh, but, 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 but. No, because he didn't mention Afraid of Sunlight. All right, Afraid of Sunlight didn't really land with me the way Brave did. I adored Brave. And it didn't, I didn't really give it the fair hearing it deserved. I went to university that autumn and got pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> In all sorts of directions. <laughs> uh, as one does when you leave your small provincial town. Well, this is this ties into what we were just saying. Yeah. Um, and your world suddenly gets so much bigger. When Meridian had been a huge part of the soundtrack of my youth, Britpop was at its height. There we go. There we go. When I became a student and naturally became the soundtrack of that period. I retained my love for Marillion and clutching straws and brave in particular still got played regularly, but I didn't buy any new albums of theirs for many years. I also discovered the Divine Comedy and got very heavily into them. Still am, but that's another story. Divine Comedy, yeah. I love them those I've those early albums. You have. have I? You just can't think of it at the minute. Um spin forward to the pandemic and the start of working from home someone's dragging the anchor across the floor again spin forward to the pandemic and the start of working from home in march last year and i found myself listening to stuff i hadn't listened to in years to soundtrack my working day and thus began my rediscovery of marillion i gave afraid of sunlight another go and this time it landed in a way it never did 26 years ago perhaps a more adult understanding of its lyrical themes helped but i now think it's one of their finest so i started downloading an album every week in chronological order and really letting it soak in before getting the next one. I'm up to speed now, and the experience of falling in love again has been quite a journey. This strange engine doesn't have quite the same impact for me as its predecessor, but it has its highlights. The opening track is a real departure from what I might have expected to hear from Meridian, but then again, confounding our musical expectations is what they've built their career on over the last 25 years or so. The end section with their anthemic vocals has everything including the kitchen sink, and adding a children's choir to proceedings gives the whole thing a crucial goosebump factor. Gives me chills and makes my heart sore. Finally, someone who likes the end of Man of a Thousand Faces. Yeah. I won't go through it track by track, but special mention must go to Estonia. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. I've looked it up and know its backstory. And as a meditation on grief and coping with loss of a loved one is beyond compare. It's no surprise it holds the special place it does in people's hearts. It makes me think of my sister who we lost to cancer in 2017 and the chorus really hits home every single time I hear it. I should think the song has been a great comfort to so many people struggling with grief as it has to me. Like I say, with that song, we all have a different reaction and I know full well that a lot of Marillion fans have taken great comfort in the, in the song. So I'm glad it did work for you, Richard. The less said about hopefully future the better, but the title track is Hogarthia and Marillion is its at its proggy finest. Rother's guitar solo is sublime and H's autobiographical lyric paints such a vivid picture. I've really come to appreciate just how much he bears his soul in his lyrics and his performance of them. I'll leave it there. Thanks for the insights and fun you provided through your podcast. The warmth and love between you ah, really comes Aww. across and it's a joy to listen to. With best wishes, Richard Beanham. Thank, Thank you, you Richard. Richard. Well, that's it for this week. That's it. Wow, we did it. We did it. We got through it. We got through our our current letters bag. So, radiation next, everyone. If um, you want to send us an email about radiation, or indeed anything, um, you can email us bampod at gmail.com. If 
you'd like to support the podcast, you can by going to patreon.com slash MrBiffo, M-R-B-O-F-F-O. We try and get the podcast early um, and we do occasional bonus episodes when we're not struggling with COVID, um, which, you know, we cover all sorts of Meridian related topics that we perhaps wouldn't normally cover on the main podcast um what else to tell you yeah subscribe to us would be great tell people about us even better um give us a review on itunes or whatever it's called apple podcasts anything else to say that's it isn't it i think that's all the plugs that's it yeah follow us on facebook and twitter at beampod um and we'll talk to you next week for starting to delve into the radiation era yes and crowdfunding and crowdfunding Exciting times. And other things. Oh, other things. There are other things that happened <gasps> around that time. Were there? Yeah. That I'm going to talk about. I can't wait. Talk about love. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.